Obeying the rules and the regulations, that really doesn't prove our love for God. What in the world am I talking about? First Timothy chapter four. We're going to be talking about that in about three minutes time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible through it every year. And we're finishing this year. We're getting ready to go into Revelation from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It's very good. Corey helps us. Go ahead, Corey. Well, Mom and I are actually going to be joining our segments together to get today to further discuss some of the principles that we see Paul drawing out in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Ryan? So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul makes mention of Eve's deception in the garden. So today we're going to review that very important history. Important history it is, Janice. And as we do that, uh, we need to think about this because on the next program, we're going to talk about 2 Timothy, which is the last words that Paul ever wrote. Let's open up the guide and look at what God said. First Timothy 4, 1 through 9. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-9 through 9. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 5, and 6, as we continue in this amazing book that Paul wrote. You know, there are some who think that serving God is about obeying a set of rules. But faith in Jesus Christ is about loving God and living for Him. Jesus clearly taught this. The religious elite of His time were so tied up into the laws of God and the rules that they had added to try and apply these laws to everyday life, that the very presence of Yeshua offended them. It was this group who pushed to have Jesus crucified, and we all joined in. You see, there is a difference between loving and desiring to serve God and obeying the rules to earn God's favor or avoid punishment. Now, when we love the Lord, we desire to please Him. We recognize all that he has given for us, his life. He came to serve us, and now we can serve him with our lives and with love and thankfulness. 
The way we see faith in Christ affects the way we serve the Lord. So often serving the Lord is difficult, but by God's grace and strength, we do it because we love him. Isn't that interesting? And by the way, it is the best life of all. It's the best way that we can make sense of our lives as well. Today, we're going to study rules. <laughs> Somebody said to me once, you Christian, you have all these rules. And actually, I said, well, actually, we don't have any rules. And we are trying to live better because we're following Jesus Christ. And they didn't understand that. You see, everybody thinks of rules. We got to do this, 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 and this. No, it's not we have to do this, this. We want to. The difference between we have to and we want to, okay? If you want to go to the store, you're looking forward to it. If you have to go to the store, you dread it. See, we don't dread serving the Lord. As a true Christian who loves Jesus Christ, we desire to serve the Lord. Very interesting. Take your Bible guide and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. It is a great passage. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? I remind you again every day. Write or call or go to Bible Discovery TV. That's a website, www.biblediscoverytv, and get yours by clicking on it. And it will take you to a place where you can download it as it's printed. Very exciting. And so if you do that, you're automatically in, and then, you know, you can continue with us. Anyway, Father, I pray today as we study 1 Timothy chapter 4, that you would help us to hear Paul. He is writing to Timothy, his beloved spiritual son. And help us to hear that because he writes to us in this letter. Your Holy Spirit has put his words here so that we can see it and read it. So help us, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, amen. Now, let's look at chapter four because it's really something. Let's start with verse one. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Do you understand what he's saying here? I do. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine teachings of demonic forces, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Paul says that obeying rules and regulations does not prove or do not prove our love for God. In love, Jesus came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We, in turn, love Jesus and give our lives to serve him. Beloved, we, we love the Lord. And if we love the Lord, we are giving our lives to serve him. It's not easy, but we love him. His love is amazing. And you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love? It says love never fails. Rules and regulations and prophecies and tongues and all that, they'll fail. Love never fails. That's interesting, isn't it? Let's read on because Paul says to Timothy something else, which is fascinating. First Timothy chapter four, verse four and five. Here's what he says. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. We pray before our meals to sanctify the food and thank God for it. Faith in Jesus Christ affects our lifestyle. Now, uh, there are people 
who don't pray before they eat. And let me just say that you need to do that because we are thankful that we can have the ability to earn money or have the privilege of taking in food as our substance from God. God gave us that ability to work for it. God gave us, he didn't give us the paycheck. He gave us the ability to work for it so that we could receive our paycheck, buy the food we need, and have something to eat to sustain us and our families. So when I thank God, I say, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for the people here and bless this food. Take curses off it and bless this food to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me tell you something. That does several things. It tells me that I'm grateful to God, but it also takes curses off the food or anything like that. That's important. Hopefully, you know, nobody has butchered and given that food to another God before it comes to me. But nevertheless, even if they did, Jesus Christ is more powerful and takes the curses off. But we need to pay attention to that. All right, let's go on. It says in verse six, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' tales. Listen to that. Reject profane and old wives' tales. Exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. Everybody talks about, you know, body, bodily exercise and, you know, there's all these talk about that. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promises of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Which brings me to this point. God's law is a standard pointing to the violation of sin. Now watch this. Faith in Jesus Christ is the reality that God has forgiven us of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Now keep in mind, it is not what we do. In a, we have to do this, have to do that, can't do this, can't. It's not what we're, that's not it. Faith in Jesus Christ. We desire to do this. We want to do this. That's what saves us because we love the Lord Jesus Christ as God. Jesus is God. Yeshua HaMashiach is the Lord. He's coming back very soon. And I pray that you know him. If you don't, you can follow my prayer. Pray along with me and say, Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect life and you died. We, because we crucified you, born of the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit, and, we, and you died. But you rose again after three days, seen by over 500 men, according to the Bible. And then you ascended. And I need you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin because I need help, Lord. Come into my life. Help me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it and your heart is desperate for God, he will find you right now. this character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul.
All right, welcome back to the program. Today, I'm taking my cue from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where Paul says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Now, notice that Paul here is dispelling a popular misconception that both Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan. Actually, as Paul points out, it was only Eve who was deceived. Adam, even though he knew exactly what was going on, unfortunately just let it happen. And the repercussions of this could could and would only be solved by God himself. Now, yesterday we looked specifically at Adam, and so today I want to focus on Eve, the mother of all living. Although all men now come from women, according to the Bible, the first woman actually came from a man. Indeed, at the culmination of creation, God forms out of dust, a unique being in his own image and likeness, and gives him life. This was Adam, the first man and father of the entire human race. God then uses flesh and bone from Adam's own side to form another being in his image. When Adam sees her, he recognizes from whom she was taken. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, he says. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam would later call her Eve, which in Hebrew sounds like the word for the living, quite fitting for the woman who would become the mother of the entire human race. Unfortunately, bearing children was to become extremely painful. Though God had only given Adam and Eve one rule for their own protection, not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Satan, using the subtlety of a serpent, deceived the woman into doing just that. Hath God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? asks the serpent. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, Eve replies, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Though some accuse Eve here of adding to God's word, since God had said nothing about the touching of the tree, the Bible clearly makes her partaking of the fruit the first sin, not her adding to the word of God. Also, since this command was given previous to Eve's creation, she would have received it orally from Adam. So it is possible that Adam added it, or that God said both things, but is only now being revealed. In any case, Eve's reply to the serpent shows her recognition of the strictness of God's command. Despite her recognition, however, Satan deceives her and she eats the fruit. In turn, she gives some to her husband, who all the while has been standing idly by. At this very moment in history, a savior, a messiah, suddenly became necessary someone to restore our now tarnished relationship with our loving Father, and someone to reverse the curse of death. And God already had a plan. While cursing the serpent, God proclaims in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would have victory over Satan. This is the very first messianic prophecy in the Bible, and Eve recognizes it. Indeed, when her first son Cain is born, she believes he is that Messiah. Though English translations of the Bible change her words, In Hebrew, she literally says, I have gotten a man, Jehovah. Though she would soon realize that Cain was not the promised Messiah, she knew one day he would come. So the work that Satan started that day so long ago in the garden still continues to this day. I mean, think about it. Satan has convinced many that God is some sort of malevolent dictator who's all about rules and regulations. But look at what happened when Eve believed that filthy lie. It wasn't that God was trying to spoil their fun. He was protecting their lives. 
It's important to know that God wants us to live life to the fullest and to have it abundantly. But Satan has twisted that. As a matter of fact, he's even twisted the good news of the gospel into an offense. I mean, think about it. God, in his deep love for us, came as a man, Jesus Christ, and sacrificed himself on a cross for the sin which we committed. And we're the ones that are offended? Should a son be offended that his father gave up his life for him? Don't fall for the Genesis 3 attack like Eve did. Instead, use this as a reminder of what happens when we choose somebody else's words over God's. Despite the lies that Satan is spewing, God is a loving father who wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to restore the relationship that was lost those many years ago. The only question is, will you accept him? Well, I pray that you do because the time of grace is running out. So please make Jesus Lord of your life today. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose again and defeated death. Repent and ask him for the forgiveness of your sins, and he will. Don't play around with your soul. Make sure you know where you're going to spend eternity. I think it's important, Ryan, that we understand that in Africa, uh, you're watching now in Africa at 11 o'clock in the morning, or you're watching on the internet. doesn't matter where you're watching, but Africa I have a heart for, and I have a burden for, and we need to make sure they understand the good news of Jesus Christ. At the turn of the century, the 1900s, uh, the 1900, there was less than 2% of Africa had, had convicted or become close to Christ. Mm -hmm. By the end of the century, 2000, there were 36% of the people. So it's been a big push. Mm -hmm. The problem is that we've had so many coups in the last 20 years. It's been incredible. So the enemy is trying to fight, but come back to God and continue to come to God because it's very important. Every single person, doesn't matter where you're at, where you live, every person is critical to know Jesus Christ as we want everybody to be saved. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your DVD quickly. Yes, well, this is the latest thing that I've come out with. It's, it'll actually be out a little bit later this month. It's called A World by Design, and this is the third installment. And what these are, are these are interviews that I conducted with uh, eight different scientists and speakers from a, re a recent creation super conference that me and the team uh, had the privilege of going to. And uh, I talk about a number of different topics with these guys on this DVD, uh, including aliens and UFOs, dinosaurs and dragons, DNA, and even ancient Egypt. So uh, there's a lot of good material on here uh, that uh, is a really good resource to help you if you're trying to witness to unbelievers or people maybe on the fence. So uh, keep an eye out for this. It's the best one yet, I believe. And I was with you in those uh, presentations and you did an outstanding job. Very good. All right, uh, Corey. All right, well, mom. Yes, Corey, Rod, and Ryan. You at home. You at home. Okay, well, before the program, you and I were talking about 1 Timothy chapter 4. Dad, I know that's what you spoke on today as well. That was what we highlighted in the Bible Guide. Mm -hmm. But, Mom, you and I were talking about one of the analogies that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Timothy 4. And why don't you just go ahead and read, like, some of those verses? Okay, I'm going to start at verse 6. And, of course, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. 
But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Yeah. It's a really good analogy, and I wish it wasn't in there because yeah. I, I, because I don't know if you at home have ever tried to increase your fitness level. Uh, it gets harder as you age, I'm sure, as a lot of you know, right? It is a difficult thing to to do. Yes. Um. And and Paul is likening physical training to spiritual training here, right? So I, I'm reading from the ESV and verse seven in the ESV says, have nothing, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. So this idea that it's not going to be easy, but you have to apply yourself to reading and understanding the scripture and staying true to the gospel and not adding anything to the gospel. Because if we go back into the beginning of first Timothy four, this is the context where people are adding things to the gospel and it has this this appearance of godliness it has this appearance of wisdom right so they're doing aesthetic practices so things that look good they look holy they're difficult to do but they just look holy so i mean in verse 3 he gives he he says those who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods so from certain foods and i mean we see similar false teachings going on in colossians right where where back in colossians 2 the apostle says the apostle paul says uh when he's teaching about it he goes i'm saying this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments so these arguments seem good they seem right and i mean there's still things today where we can look and see, you know, it's not about what we wear. It's not about what we eat. We can go back and we can appeal to things in the Mosaic law. We can appeal to things in the Old Testament. But at the end of the day, we know, you know, Jesus teaches in Mark chapter seven, it's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean because that's your sin overflows and comes out and makes you unclean. And so there's this idea of rejecting the the easy way of just saying, well, I'm pretty holy because I treat my Bible with respect, my physical Bible. I never put it on the floor. I only ever put it, I only ever wrap it up. There's nothing wrong with those things inherently unless you're adding that to the gospel, unless you're saying this equals righteousness. Mm -hmm. It does not. It does not equal righteousness. And so there's this idea that we have to really train ourselves towards true godliness, being like Christ, being more like God. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> it's going to mm-hmm. be a difficult thing, right? And um, another thing too, again, going back to this fitness metaphor that Paul uses, this fitness analogy that Paul uses, if you exercise really well for two, three months and and get your fitness level up, but then you stop, what happens? What happens? You lose it pretty quick, right? (laughs) This has to be an ongoing thing. Our faith has to be ongoing. It does. And we, you know, we talk about that or, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before because we, we take care of our, our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. We get up and we brush our teeth bed, we brush our teeth, we brush our hair, we have baths or showers, and and we're taught that from very little, that we need to take care of ourselves, otherwise we're going to be unhealthy, and otherwise people aren't going to want to be around us, because quite frankly, we're going to be pretty smelly and pretty stinky and and very unhealthy. And so Mm -hmm. we, we do that, we take the time for proper hygiene, 
But a lot of us think that we don't have to do the same thing. We can just go to church on Sunday, yeah, or just watch something on YouTube, and we'll be good. Yeah, we'll be fine. And and it's not like that. And and I would, I I actually think that so many people are missing out、mm-hmm. when you have that kind of an attitude. And and you and I can both say when when you do eat properly, when you take care of yourself, you feel better.、Mm-hmm. You can rest better. You can you can work better. But the same is true for your spiritual well-being.、Definitely. When you get into God's word, when you spend time with the Lord in prayer, when you when you train yourself to do these things and and to be disciplined with it,、mm-hmm. to see it as a way of being healthy and whole, it it changes everything. And、yeah. you recognize in of yourself. And if you miss reading your Bible for a couple of days, for whatever reason, all of a sudden you're thinking, why why am I feeling? Out of place here. What is missing?、Mm-hmm. And then you get reengaged, and I think all of us could attest to that in our own personal lives as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I and we don't have to be afraid of tools that we can use to help train、mm-hmm. ourselves. I know a lot of people find、um, great success in using prayer journals, for example, where they're writing down their prayers and they're writing down psalms and scriptures, and that's part of their spiritual discipline, their spiritual training. But they're not looking at their prayer journal and going, "Look at how righteous and good I am now." It's not a tool. It's it's just a tool to help them grow in their faith. It's not becoming their their faith itself. Do you、yes. know what I'm trying to say? We're like the Peloton people for the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Train I mean,、really. yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's true.、Uh, and, and the best news is, it doesn't have to be as expensive as that. It's not, it's not. It's、no, not expensive at all. Ab- ab- Get yourself a Bible. Develop、absolutely. your prayer well, life. I mean, you know, I, you know? I, I saw a spot. I saw a spot the other day, and and the lady says, "Get up and do it. Get up and do it." Get, and they were cutting back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Well, that's what we're doing. With the Bible. <laughs> do it. Get up and read it. Get up and, Get up and read it. You can do it. It's going to be good for you. Absolutely. <laughs> Join us every day, and it's eternal. Yes, this this discipline,、mm-hmm. this discipline is eternal, and that's the difference. Yeah, because there's no guarantees with physical training, no, is there? There is not. There's no. You could be the fittest person in the world, and you can still die of something random、mm-hmm. the next day. There's no guarantees, but you know that as you grow your faith in Christ, it continues because Christ is eternal, and we will be resurrected with Him. Now today, as we pray, I want to remind you of the Bible Guide. This is the Bible, the most important book. But the Bible Guide helps you go through it. And if you don't receive yours, why not? You need to get the Bible Guide and write for it, or call for it, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Get on the list because we're sending the list out, or we're sending the Bible Guide out for January. It's a good one. All new material for this year. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask today, forgive my sins and help me to live for you. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that other people would do, 
Amen.